You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast, Christmas Eve edition. Connor Jones joins me. This will be a two-part show. The first two parts, we talk about the Nationals, uh, Howie Kendrick retiring, Wellington Castillo, and then part two coming out on Christmas, Christmas Day special. Connor and I talk a little bit of Washington football team, and we talk some Wizards, just to give you guys a little bit of a you know different flavor right now to the uh, Locked On Nationals podcast. I'm sure you guys are all fans of the other D.C. teams, so you know, a little check-in on those other squads as Washington, uh, the WFT, is in the middle of a football playoff hunt right now, and the Wizards just got their season going last night, so Connor and I talk a little bit about that. Hope you guys enjoy. Once again, part two coming out on uh, Friday on Christmas. Going three, two, and one. Hello, everybody. Christmas Eve edition of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Hope you guys are uh, having a good holiday season, staying safe out there. Joining me today on the show is Connor Jones. Connor, a lot of uh, D.C. sports news to get to this week. And first off, we start with the news that former Washington National, a guy who played 15 years in the league, Howie Kendrick, is calling it quits at age 37. There were, you know, he talked about, hey, I want to hang it up maybe after the season. Then he said he's probably going to come back. And then he said, you know what, I, I don't blame him here, with the offseason going on. He said, no, I'm going to call it quits at the age of 37. Obviously, a, a really awesome hitter for a long period of time, but more importantly, a hero in the city of Washington, D.C. for his contributions to the 2019 Nationals. Yeah, Howie Kendrick, first off, you know, he's the kind of guy that's accomplished everything that there is for him to accomplish in the game. So you completely understand why he would hang it up, especially now that he has that World Series ring in Washington. Howie Kendrick is going to be a big loss to this franchise, both on the field and um, and in the clubhouse, in my opinion. I think that may be where his loss is even. Yeah, Howie Kendrick's going to be uh, a loss felt in the clubhouse. He's a guy that's the kind of the first one there when things aren't going well to take accountability for that, and a guy that, that deflects credit. So I think a veteran like that, an example, the kind of guy he is, the kind of hitter he is, I mean, that, that's a loss that they're gonna, it's going to be tough to replace. Yeah, you think about all the things that he accomplished, uh, you know, just – like across the board, you said, and you put it perfectly with, you know, there's really nothing left for Howie Kendrick to prove when it comes to the game of baseball. And I think the two moments for me that stand out during that World Series and are obviously that grand slam he had against the Dodgers, right? We always talk about the, we always talk about the home run and like, like we, you know, really should, but I don't think we appreciate that grand slam enough uh, against the Dodgers because that, that was st- stamped it. Like that was, that was the Nats getting over the hump. That was the moment that the Nats, for so many years of not crossing the line, that was them punching through that wall and saying, we've arrived. I honestly think I was more excited when Howie Kendrick hit the Grand Slam against the Dodgers than when he hit the home run against the Astros, and which sounds pretty weird. But as you mentioned, getting over the hump was so critical and doing it against a team as good as the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think made it all the, all the better. And you kind of felt like if they could get over that hump, that they did have a legitimate chance to win the World Series with their rotation and with the hitters that they had. So I completely agree that Dodgers Grand Slam is 
is as critical as the World Series home run. And it's even it, it even is kind of bigger because you forget about how bad of a game Howie Kendrick had actually had and kind of how bad of a series he'd had against the Dodgers up until that point. And then he goes on to win the NLCS MVP. And then obviously what he did in the World Series speaks for itself. So it kind of was the start of great things to come for both the franchise and Kendrick individually. Well, he, he gave us that moment that was, it was, I mean, I would say not like, a, basically, actually, I, I would say it's like 100% like the the Kuznetsov goal against Pittsburgh, right? I mean, that it felt like the, you know, Kuznetsov scoring that goal here, you know, John Walton said the demons have been exercised. That first round, you know, demon of, of saying uh, the Nats can't get past this point. And for the Caps, it was the demon of Pittsburgh. It was out the window. And I remember saying this, and you and I have talked about this, you know, I thought they were going to just absolutely roll the Cardinals, and they did. The Astros were a different story because it was such a good baseball team. But I was like, they're hot. that that is the momentum that they needed to push through. And then, you know, they they did roll the Cardinals. And uh, the World Series, obviously, a different story. He did it there, but yeah, I mean, it was you know having that Kuznetsov goal be so recent to the Howie Kendrick home run. Those two events were very much alike in my mind. Not sure if you felt the same way. Yeah, the, both of their runs were kind of similar. It's like the talent was there. If they could finally you know, break through the – get over the hump, which, like you mentioned, what it was for the Caps and what it was for the Nats. But I think there was a lot of similarities there, especially when you go into a Cardinals series where, frankly, the Nationals are just a, a much better team talent-wise, and they kind of ended that quickly like a lot of people, including myself and and yourself as well, expected them to do. So getting through that hump, you almost felt like they're going to the World Series yeah. when when that ball went over the wall. Not to take anything for granted against the Cardinals, but you know, kind of you feel like if you get by the Dodgers, yeah. you're, you're going to get by the Cardinals. Yeah, and then, you know, we, let's talk about that World Series home run, right? I mean, the moment just – when you're around the game for that long, you know, at that age for Howie, and I think we saw this for a lot of guys, right? You know, Zimmerman, obviously, with a nice and, – and Adam Eaton is a bit younger, but Adam Eaton felt like he's been around baseball forever. You know, those guys, just the moment a lot of times didn't feel too big for them. For that group of, of – we talked about battle-tested veteran guys, and that moment for Howie just you know, off the foul pole. And I think the first thing that uh, struck me when he retired was – uh, FP saying he should go and perch. I'm not sure if he saw this, but on Twitter he said he should, how is you go and buy that foul pole and just put it in his front yard, which I thought was hilarious. I, I think that'd be you know hysterical <laughs> to do. But you think about it, like just a veteran guy, just a moment not being too big, and this is why you make that kind of acquisition, like a Howie Kendrick. No, he can't feel very well, and he's going to rotate it at first base some, and give you give you obviously some DHing too if you're in American League ballpark. But moment not too big for Howie Kendrick. Yeah, you know, you mentioned you touched on Adam Eaton, and this is a little bit off, off topic, but yeah. I do want to say it. I think the reason that, that Adam Eaton feels like he's been around for so long is because he plays the game of baseball like it was played in like the 1970s. Right. So I think that's probably why it seems like Adam Eaton has been around a, a while, which he he kind of has, just not yeah. as long as, <laughs> as Howie Kendrick or Ryan Zimmerman. But, no, not close, actually, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, besides that, I can't even remember what the topic was. Uh, Howie Kendrick. On that, just kind of just, you know, being being an older guy and just the moment not being too big for a guy like that. Yeah, I, there's a lot of guys like that on the roster. You touched on a, a few of them, but I think they were the, the oldest team in the league, which that kind of comes with the territory. Guys that have been through those battles before, even if some of them hadn't been to the World Series or won it, they'd been in big games. 
Um, Kendrick, certainly one of those guys. Eaton is another one of them as well. And what's, what's going to be interesting to me is kind of how the Nats are going to kind of reconstruct this roster without some of those guys, you know, maybe Ryan Zimmerman will be back, but they're, they're losing a lot of guys that maybe, maybe like on pure talent, they kind of have to move on from like Adam Eaton. They need a new fit in right field, but there's some things that guys like Kendrick and Eaton that will, they'll bring to your team that aren't going to be easy to replace off the field. Today's locked on nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the best place in the world right now to get action on all the sporting events you care about. Are you ready for some football, college football heads into bowl season? And there are some big matchups coming up this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up as well, and the playoff picture is becoming clearer. There's only one place has you covered and one place we trust. That is BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account. At betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus at betonline. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in the game today. They've got 18 flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com and check them out right now. They've got six new ones, the 12 original, six with nut, six without nut, all of them covered in delicious chocolate. Once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On for 20% off on your next purchase. Once again, BillBar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off on your next purchase. Right. And that brings us to, you know, you know, God bless Howie. And we hope he really loves his retirement and, and he's earned it. And, you know, his post was awesome saying he's going to be a pain in the butt of his family every single day. Awesome. The guy's earned it. Um, but for the Nationals, you have to turn the page. And this is something that we've talked about a whole lot this offseason, Connor, is that that first base spot was weird for them because they were waiting for kind of the decision from Howie Kendrick and they're waiting on a decision too now from Ryan Zimmerman. And he's got a lot of valid reasons, obviously family health being number one, why he's got to think about what he wants to do with his future and the timing and everything. I, I think we all believe he wants to come back and play. The problem is the timing right now for him might not just be great. And for the nationals, the issue is, look, we've got to figure out what we're going to do at first base. You know, as much as you want to wait on Ryan Zimmerman, you you really can't. And Mike Rizzo has discussed, hey, we, want, we might want to bat at first base. They kicked the tires on Carlos Santana, who ended up signing, uh, you know, with the with the Royals. But this is a situation now where at first base, things do feel a lot more up in the air than maybe they did, um, you know, at the at the end of last season. You know, maybe there was some hope that you get Howie and and Zim back, and now you might not get either of them back. I, I anticipate having Ryan Zimmerman back. I, I know you kind of touched on, you know, his situation. I think he's going to be back. If the guy's ramping up in the cage like mm-hmm. he has been the last week or so, I think that, that the only thing that signals to me is that he's going to be playing for the Nats in 2021. Right. I think otherwise we wouldn't see that. So, so my opinion is Ryan Zimmerman's going to be in the mix at first base, but you, they're obviously going to have to have some another guy or another couple guys that are capable of, helping out at that position as well. But I'd say, I think it's safe to sit to assume almost to some degree that Ryan Zerman's going to be there. 
what else would you say that they needed that position? You know, would you want to see them get a guy that maybe, I mean, I don't really know at this point where, where you would go with that, but what do you, what do you think they should do to kind of compliment him at that spot? If they do believe he's coming back. Well, you would say you would have thought like what they did last year with Eric Thames if he if he didn't play so poorly. That's kind of the the on paper move that you would have you would have wanted to see them make it, it, when you're looking to platoon at that position with a left handed power hitter like that. So, you know, now we're in a situation where they're going to have to find somebody, and I don't know kind of what their their price range is going to be just because they're also trying to fill other needs. So I don't think you're going to see them go like go in for a, a big hitter at first base. I think they're going to try and platoon and maybe find a, a bigger, a bigger bat in, in right field or catcher. I maybe think play some Josh Harrison at first. Yeah. Josh Harrison. That's a, that's a good one. You know, we completely had, didn't even forgot about, you know, well, you think about him more as a he, second baseman, you know, kind of like exactly, middle yeah, infield. You think, yeah. You, you think of him helping out at second or maybe third, you don't really think about first, but yeah, that's what, that's something that Josh Harrison can bring to the team. He can kind of be the, maybe the is Drupal Cabrera of, of this season right. where, you know, a guy that can, can really pit, help out wherever he's needed. All right. Well, the, the Nats did make another, not really a signing, but a, a re signing uh, of Wellington Castillo and the 33 year old catcher is going to be back with the Nats. He signed in the off season last year, did not play opted out of the season, uh, which obviously we respect here, but he is 33 years old. And look, Connor, the, the, the vibe I'm getting, actually, I'm not even getting a vibe. The, there's mixed signals about what the Nats are doing at catcher, right? We had Mike Rizzo last week say Jan Gomes should be prepared to catch 90 to 100 games. Then we hear that they're back in on Real Muto, maybe. Then we hear, oh, they're going to re-sign and bring back Wellington Castillo, who at 33, I'm not sure what else you're going to do with him besides play him. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here. I don't really know what the Nationals – are thinking. I mean, I, you know, I know I get paid to do this podcast and, and try to have a clue, but I don't because the signals seem to be all over the place. The Castillo signing would tell me uh, probably not going to be JT at catcher next year. So I wouldn't, I don't read into it that way. I read okay. into Wellington Castillo being signed as if someone goes down or if something unexpected happens, then Wellington Castillo will end up on the opening day roster. But I think, that that's not the plan just as it wasn't the plan last year when they had Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes coming back. They also signed Wellington Castillo in case one of those guys went down. And they had two guys under contract and Trace, Trace Barrera can't start the season with them, with obviously because the suspension. Correct. I do. I still think that they're going to have two guys under contract at that position by the time they get to spring training. I'm not, it might be real Muto. It might not be, but I think that they're going to make another acquisition there i mean it could even be yadi molina it could be somebody like that that like i I, you know it i don't know who it's going to be but i think that they're going to go in to that to spring training with another catcher other than gomes and castillo what they're telling on gomes it about getting ready to to catch that number of games it makes it makes sense because you can't count on having real muto and if you don't get him then that's probably going to be the case Whoever else right. they bring in, Gomes is going to be your guy probably you know two out of three days. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of that that makes sense to me. But I don't unless somebody unless there's an injury or something like that or a weird opt out or something. I don't see Castillo being on the opening day roster. Yeah, it's it's such a weird place for them to be. And look, you know, 
I, I, it's been tough to get a read on the, on, on the way that they're going to go with things. Obviously with James McCann going to the Mets, the Mets were somebody that we thought could be a big player in the real Muto market. And he's now out. The Phillies are now shopping, you know, we heard they're, they're shopping Zach Wheeler. So obviously there, there could be a monetary issue there, which out of the, out of the NL East teams now puts the Nats kind of in the driver's seat, if you will. I mean, just in terms of the division, uh, that's that's the part that I'm trying to parse right now is was kind of where everybody else in the division is sitting. We know where the Mets are, obviously. Outside of the division, like where else would he go? Right. Like like who? Like that's kind of like what I'm been asking myself. Like who is going to if it, if the Nats aren't going to be the team that signs Real Muto, who is going to do it? Because now the Mets are out. You you kind of assume the Phillies with their financial situation aren't going to be interested in that contract. So by default, like I kind my my gut tells me that the Nats are going to end up with real Muto. I mean, that could obviously be real, I just, very, well, very well, If that's the path they're going, I think they're waiting right now because they might be thinking that same way and saying, we don't have to race and get him now. Right. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of my idea is if, if they think they can get him and they're kind of only viewing, viewing, you know, the people in the division as, as real contenders to get him, then they're fine. They can sit and wait until the right moment to get him there. There's no, there's no pressure. If you only think the competition is the Phillies right now, that's kind of where I'm at. If you see, I'm sure there's other teams out there that I'm sure there's more competition. Right. But, but, but really rational competition. I don't really know how much there is. I don't. Yeah. I just, if, if he doesn't end up on the Nats, wherever he, wherever else he goes would be somewhat of a surprise to me, just, you know, in terms of fit and the name and the teams that we've heard thrown around. So, I mean, I don't know. It just, it seems like it makes so much sense with the Nats having a need there and the, you know, going into, and they also have a need, it for, they have a need for a catcher and for a big hitter and he kind of fills both That's of those. Both. So, you know, I mean, I could, it just, it seems like it's, and they've always kind of had a thing for Real Muto. Yeah. So they, they, they talked about him back in the, uh, you know, back in, what was it? I guess two years ago when Bryce left, right? I mean, the two, two off seasons ago when Bryce was leaving. Or whenever, whenever that was, yeah. I guess, yeah, a it, year or two ago. I mean, I, it's like it's like a Roldis Chapman. I feel like the Nats franchise has always had a thing for a Roldis and for JT Real Muto, but neither has ever ended Sorry. up on the roster. Uh, somebody they also had, had a thing for, when you get your thoughts on this, Chris Bryant. And Mike Rizzo addressed that last week saying, no, we haven't had a serious conversation about him since, uh, I guess, two years ago is what he said. And look, I mean, you and I, you know, we like Mike Rizzo, but we know it's not true. Um and he's got to say that for, I guess, the, you know, you can't just be out here saying, yeah, yeah, we're kicking the tires on him. We love him. It's, it's great. We, you know, we'd like to have him here in D.C. You can't do that for a few reasons. Most of the chief among them is the confidence of one Carter Keeboom. Uh, you can't just have it out there that you're actively searching for that guy's replacement. Wouldn't be good optics. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think you and I are in the same place. Why go out and give up assets for a guy when you could just, you know, or when you get a you know, big bat, when you don't have to give up assets for a big bat. And also you don't know how long you can get the guy under contract for. Yeah. I don't, I'm not like too big on the Chris Bryant trade. I just don't see how that's going to like work it, financially, you know, with the, the prospects. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, that's, that's not a Nats move tra- trading for Chris Bryant with this little time left on his contract. That's just not something that, you see Mike Rizzo do throughout his career. So every, every time I see that rumor, I just kind of, I don't pay any mind to it. Um, and obviously if, if this ends up with the Nats trading for Chris Bryan and not signing JT Roy Muto, I'm going to look like an idiot, but that's kind of like, I, that's how I like view that situation. I, I think a trade for somebody like Suarez at, with Cincinnati mm-hmm. would is 
makes way more sense and makes a lot more sense is a Mike Rizzo Nats move. I mean, I'd even, I mean, I'd consider moving Kibum for Suarez. I don't, I mean, I don't think they feel great about Kibum. I, th- I think they're kind of no, there's I, a I, lot of concern there. I think they wouldn't be. I don't think they'd be in the Chris Bryant market. Because um, look, once again, that feels like such an un Mike Rizzo move that it pretty clearly shows you how they feel about Kibum. Is that they're um, that they're thinking about that deal? They're even considering that deal with that spot. Let me ask you before we we're going to talk a little bit of Wizards too in a second. But the two guys that I really wanted the Nats target. You know, Springer's the big name, but I love DJ LeMahieu. I'm a huge fan of DJ LeMahieu. I think him as a guy in that top four of the order for the Nationals would work wonders for them. It would allow them to do the thing that we talked about where they move, you know, Castro over to third. Gives them flex- some flexibility there. Sounds like the Mets are going to try to drive. The Mets might be driving the price up. I, I think, I- honestly, it might be just DJ's representation saying, hey, look, the Mets and the, the, uh, the Mets and Jays are in on uh, LeMahieu. We know the Nats have kicked tires on LeMahieu. Um, we'll do Springer next. But with LeMahieu, you know, do you see him being a fit? I like him. I'm not sure you're as high on the fit as I am. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? It feels like the five years might be the issue here. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on the fit. I, I'm very high on DJ LeMahieu as a player. I don't know if the fit positionally with the Nats makes a ton of sense right now. I mean, I think he, he's the kind of guy you could bring in. He's going to be like a, a right-handed Daniel Murphy hitting for you, mm-hmm. kind of like what he brought to the team. So, I mean, I think he's, he'd be a, a great acquisition. It's just with Starlin Castro and with Luis Garcia and with Carter Keboom, of all the hitters you're going to sign is, a, is another infielder that's not playing first base. The best Is that the best move? Like, is that – or does it make more sense to spend your money on somebody like Real Muto in trade – and trade a guy like Keyboom and whatever else you need to for someone like Suarez and put Suarez at third, Starlin at second, and JT or Muto behind the plate. I think mm-hmm. that 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 fit makes a lot more sense to me. It, you know, as far as kind of maximizing, you know, your talent across the field rather than you know being overloaded at, at second base. How do you feel about George Springer right now? I mean, how do you feel about where that situation is? It feels like uh, once again, the two teams involved are the Jays and and, and uh, the Mets, and that's a guy that I think a lot of Nationals fans, you know, you kind of look at him, they get hard eyes, and really want him uh, on the team. Uh, how do you feel at that point, at this point in time, rather, about the idea of George Springer coming to Washington D.C.? Yeah, I definitely like him to not end up on the Mets. That's uh, <laughs> that's primary concern number one. So if it's going to be between the Mets and the Jays, we'll we'll be rooting for the Jays and by yeah. we, I mean me. Um, but I, I don't, it, I think he's a fit with Washington, but there just seems to, there's going to be a lot of competition there driving that price up maybe more so than with somebody like real Muto. So right. unlike LeMahieu, I think Springer fits. I just, there's a lot of comp, a lot of teams that are looking for a right fielder right now. So you'd say right now it's more likely that it's real Muto as, as a national than George Springer. I believe so. Um, just kind of on, I, I believe so just based on kind of the, the competition that is there. I mean, I'm actually ta- like taking a look right now and kind of trying to figure out who else may be interested in these two guys. And it looks like Minnesota is a team that's kind of considering JT Real Muto, which would be pretty weird, but they're obviously a, a, a good team that may want to kind of try and go all in on that. So I, I do believe that Real Muto signing with Washington is much more likely than Springer signing. 
All right, that will do it for the show today, guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. And until tomorrow, stay safe.